0: Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book, ay. Wet like on book, ay. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast.
1: Empire of the Suns. Hello
2: there, and welcome to another episode of the Empire of the Suns podcast. Why on radio? My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman, the lead editor of ArizonaSports.com. He co-hosts a podcast with me, which we are doing on live radio. My name is Kellen Olson. I can't remember if I said that part already, <laughs> Kevin. I'm just so gosh darn excited to be here. How are you? Big boy radio we're back. All the buttons are on. Everyone can hear us. Apparently, we're good to go. This is the big boy studio. I'm about to play some audio later in the show. I'm terrified to push those buttons and see if I know what I'm doing. I'm the one driving right now, so if we crash, it's all on me. A lot of responsibility, but I'm here and I'm excited because Bradley Beal was acquired by the Phoenix Suns over the weekend. We do not know the exact parameters of the trade, but we have what they refer to in the biz, Kev, as initial framework. We have the initial drawn-up deal right now, which would be Chris Paul Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks. Now I've heard the term handful being used. I believe the max that the Suns could give up is six or seven. And it sounds like it could be more than half of those at least. And then they've got pick swaps as well. I've heard the use of plural pick swaps and they only have two that they can possibly give up. So it sounds like they gave up just about all of their remaining draft assets to get this done. But they gave up Chris Paul and they gave up Landry Shams to get Bradley Beal, who's one of the 30 best players of basketball on this planet Earth, in my humble opinion. And we're just sitting here reacting to it. It's it's been a wild 48 hours, Kevin, because we got the reports coming in on Thurs on Saturday, that they were a finalist and we were kind of looking around. Gamble was confirming it. And in these kinds of situations, Kevin, I always wonder when a guy gets traded and we're going to talk about this or when a guy becomes available we look through all these teams and we're going to hit on deandre Ayton in a bit later in the show and look at trade possibilities and so on and so forth i refer to it as mystery team season spelt szn on twitter as, as as the kiddos as as the zoomers do Z- and there was a mystery team out there in the middle of the week it was the phoenix suns they were in on this and The more you and I, uh, those listening, a lot of you have not listened to our podcast or or read stuff on ArizonaSports.com, I encourage you to do so because we have been covering for weeks the possibilities that they could do with this roster, and ultimately what you and I landed on was, meh, meh, they they, they could do do okay. And so they got Bradley Beal, Kevin. Seems like a home run to me.
1: I just frame it like this. You had a difficult time building a team around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, Why don't you just have a difficult time building around Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal? And I keep saying that. Maybe I'm oversimplifying this trade. Some people don't like it. Some people say the defensive side of the basketball will be a big problem right now. Maybe. But you have three really good players, three guys who can have the ball in their hands, three guys who can make plays for others, three guys who can shoot really well. And you get the guy who, if you go look at Bradley Beal's numbers, he was an awesome shooter, especially when he played alongside John Wall. And that was a while ago, sure. He developed into a much better player, but if he's the third best player in your team, woo boy. I mean, it's the the catch and shoot numbers, the you don't take a dribble numbers, the everything kind of lines up where it's like, when he played with John Wall, it was really good, and I don't think he's fallen off as a shooter at all. So to me, there's just no reason not to do this, and Yeah, you got to credit Matt Ishbia for just saying. (laughs) Bobby Marks put it really well. They put a blowtorch to how this new collective bargaining agreement is going to look. They said, I don't care about money. Matt Ishbia says, like, he always says, money's not an issue for him, but he's backing that up in what he does. And and so you got to give credit there. Um, they're basically challenging how they restructured the CBA. <laughs> they're like, we don't care. We don't care that you're
2: trying to stop. Super. As the teams. kids say again, Kevin. They said bet. B e t. Yes. They looked at that second apron and said bet. They did say bet. Okay, bet. That's what I'm I'm saying the zoomer term terminology a little bit too much here. To go to the boomer t- terminology, <laughs> you know, you know, eating crow. You know, you know how they how they talk about that a bit. Yeah. I think that I am ready to be in that position, Kevin, if for some reason we see a type of trade where the Kentavious Caldwell, Pope, Aaron Gordon types because what happens, and we saw this happen when the Suns made their run in 2021. You look at the teams that made the finals, you look at the team-building philosophies that got them in that position, and you say, okay, what can we learn from this? What can we learn that succeeded for them, that failed for us, and so on and so forth? What we saw with Denver is what we were expecting to see for this team next season, which is you have two stars, Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic, and you just put good Complimentary players around them. Here's the thing, everyone the Suns tried that already. <laughs> they tried that already. It went and okay. They made the finals and it went pretty good, but then they got the opportunity to trade for Kevin Durant and everything suddenly changed. But to my point and what I was getting to there, If they would have had the opportunity to to trade for Contavious Caldwell Pope, Aaron Gordon-esque players, we wouldn't be having a show today. I really, truly believe that that we wouldn't have been having a show today. I believe what the Suns did is looked around, both with their free agent possibilities and their trade possibilities. On ArizonaSports.com, I outlined five different scenarios. I was taking a lot of liberties. You as my editor gave me feedback. I'm like, "Ah, like, would he even really leave there? Would they really even get this much for this guy? I was taking liberties, and even then, those final rosters I was looking at, they were, were kind of eh, like they, they were fine. So I'm ready to eat crow if we see a trade on draft day uh, on Thursday or we see one in the middle of July where a 3 and D wing goes for a cheap price. We're like, man, the Suns could have had that. Maybe like what if they did this instead of that? I don't think we're going to be there, to be clear. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think there are a lot of people listening who are wondering why didn't they just add role players and just really – emphasize balance and depth over this they didn't really have a choice and now with that choice kevin we have to wonder about what this team exactly looks like we spent the first hour of gamble going through a lot of details of this but we didn't really specifically hit on how it's going to look on the court exactly both ends are really interesting to talk about the ends being offense and defense which one is more appealing to you where do you want to start with the conversation of just the three the three guys because we don't know who else is going to be around them Yeah, um, we'll talk about the DA thing later. I want
1: to go defense because I think, uh, as I've said, a big piece of this was moving Devin Booker to point guard. And I think when you go back to the Nuggets series, you look at Devin Booker and how he just orchestrated the offense just fine without Chris Paul when he got hurt. There's a lot of confidence in this move and saying, Devin, you're going to play some point guard. You're going to be that guy and take your game too. I don't know if it's the next level. It's at least a very different level, and I think he's very capable of it, but that's a big consideration in this trade in what it says. So I'm curious on the defensive end because Devin Booker, proven on defense, he can defend some point guards, but it's just going to be a very different look. So I guess I'll bounce it to you. How do you look at the defensive end
2: and how they collect players and not even names, just like what do they have to do? I think the obvious question on offense, just to quickly go back to defense after is just how are they going to divvy up the ball between the three of them? If there's any doubt about the playmaking ability of those three and if they can set each other up, set up the other two players on the court with them, the other three players on the court. That's the great thing about having three stars. Kevin is that two of them are on the floor pretty much all times. Frank Vogel's going to make that happen. And they're so versatile and, and dynamic both on and off the ball, all three of them. So that is just offensively, that is not going to be a problem. It's going to be more of the flow between the three of them and how they distribute the ball with each other because that's what a point guard like Chris Paul would do. We're going to talk about in a bit exactly how much they're going to miss Chris Paul, if any, and where they will miss him and, and the effects of him leaving and so on. To look at the defensive end, I think, one, it's fantastic that you have Frank Vogel in this kind of position because I think the questions arise there. It really comes down to who they can get, Kevin, because I think that there's an argument, and I'm just using a theoretical name here. Everyone calm down. Don't egg my house because I say Patrick Beverly. But if you get a hypothetical 3 and D point guard, uh, a defensive-minded point guard like Patrick Beverly, who is best suited off the ball entirely— then yeah, good, just go get that point guard. If you find a wing out there who is more of your upgraded Josh Akogi, let's call him, where he is the guy defending your job or answer Stephen Curry, he's on the Mikel Bridges assignment, essentially, then you sign that guy. Let's say you find a more traditional power forward who's 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", and isn't necessarily that guy defending, but he'd be perfect for you in every single other area despite the one part you're looking at, which is who is going to guard the other primary ball handler. I think you just go get that guy then, and then you leave the onus defensively on Bradley Beal and on Devin Booker. I know that that's not the best idea that anyone has ever stated in the world, but I really do believe that Devin Booker is not only a good defender at this stage in his career, he's a really good defender, and I wrote it, and I truly do believe this. I put it in my column on ArizonaSports.com. I believe that he could make an all defense team next year under Frank Vogel. I believe that he is going to take that next step as a defender and be someone talked about. I think we're going to see that over the course of the season, because now that there's two other guys with him on the court offensively, his energy is going to be there. We know that Kevin Drain is a fantastic team defender, a one on one defender. I think he's good, not amazing. Bradley Beal. We have to wait and see Kevin because he's been on a bad team. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a read on that? No, I I mean, I think it's one of those where we always talked
1: about the Eric Bledsoe thing. And when Eric Bledsoe was on bad sons teams, you didn't see how good he could be on defense. And then when he went to Milwaukee, like that, that just it just really popped then. And for me, I think when you go and look at this roster, it's you just got to get defenders and Frank will be fine putting them in spots. And maybe it's one guy one night, depending on the matchup. If it has to be Steph Curry stopping that that smaller guy gets that assignment. The next day, if it's more of a wing where you're playing, let's say, the Clippers um, and they're healthy, um, then you have a different guy playing. So I, I think that's why Frank Vogel does fit this is like the offense will be, in theory, fine. And on defense, he will be creative enough and get guys to commit to that end.
2: Yes. Six minutes on defensive alignments, baby. That's why we're on today. You're not going to hear much of that tomorrow, but you're going to hear it from us. We are the Empire of the Suns podcast. And when we come back... In the next segment, we'll be talking about Chris Paul. We talked so much, Kevin, about what it would look like if he's gone, if he's going to return. We know he's gone. How much will the Suns miss him? We'll get back to that coming up on Arizona
0: Sports, the local sports leader arizona sports the local sports leader on the arizona sports app and 987. i'm driving in this morning and we have the ticker tape thing outside of our building what is and that? i see this potential blockbuster deal between you and bradley bill that may take you from phoenix to washington and vice versa hmm. i was a surprise what are your first thoughts on that I was surprised, too. <laughs> I found out on the plane yesterday flying here for this. You know, in this league, anything can happen, so you just figure out what's next. Mm. You literally found out on the plane? <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. What was you, your first reaction? Don't push him any further. He's trying to be nice about it. Yeah, me. he is, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's happening?
2: That is Chris Paul on Good Morning America I am Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. We are the Empire of the Suns podcast, doing the live radio bit here because the Suns made a big old trade yesterday. We don't know the exact parameters of the trade just yet, but we do know Chris Paul is headed out. Now, will he go to Washington? Will he go somewhere else? It remains to be seen. The Suns getting back, of course. Bradley Beal, and this is just when they say at the end of the day it's a business and you learn that it's a business. Chris Paul out promoting his memoir has all of these interviews lined up in New York. He's on Good Morning America. He speaks with the New York Times. He speaks with GQ and then he gets traded in the middle of it
1: crazy the radio part of this means you didn't see his face which he didn't seem super thrilled to be asked this question when he's promoting that book um I get it I I think he's not super pleased because I I really believe he loved playing with books he loved the city the basketball operations aspect and he's probably a little salty right now and, that, and that's fair um I guess moving forward, how much is this team going to miss him? Because like his presence was everywhere from just on the court, coach on the court type. It was how he operated in practices. You saw that when you would go all the time. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think this is going to be a big void? Like, like when Kel Bridges and Cam Johnson left, that was avoid that we talked about heart and soul type stuff this is a little different
2: well yeah but it's just whenever someone has such a unique quality to them it's going to be it's going to be difficult to replace them if they get rid of DeAndre Ayton they are not going to be able to replace him with someone that's his level of athlete like his level of defensive rebounder right like there are innate qualities that he brings that a lot of players bring remember when Chris Paul came here we talked about how they were going to miss Kelly Oubre <laughs> they were going to miss the vibe king of the world. Tsunami Poppy himself looking to get a bag this summer. Hoping the best for our friend. And do you man. remember some people were upset about that? Anyway, that's oh, that's why this somewhat, is yeah. somewhat relevant to bring up today. Friend, uh, I think that they are going to miss him a lot. I thought that there were it's not even fair to call them intricacies. I wrote a column on ArizonaSports.com just as a farewell and magnum opus, whatever you want to call it, to Chris Paul just full transparency. He's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. I said that when he came, I'm saying that now when he left and he is just masterful with the way that he manipulates the game through his mind. It got to the point where we were used to seeing all these signature plays that he would make. And they're not going to miss those specifically. Like when he would immediately steal a ball back that was turned over, when he would sit there and stare at a ball rolling up the court to kill the clock. It's not things like that necessarily, but what they're going to miss is having that kind of mind on the floor consistently because it's an often overused and it's kind of a, um, a cliche of sorts to like say the coach on the floor but he was really like having an assistant coach on the floor when he got hurt at the end of the Nuggets series guess who was in the coaches huddle at the start of every timeout when the coaches huddle up Chris Paul was right there in, <laughs> or working in, the refs <laughs> and he was not just sitting there to listen he was talking or he was working the refs and there are certain factors of having that level of brain and that level of mind on the floor that they are going to miss and I think more than anything I believe that this challenges Kevin Young the most out of anyone on the Suns that is a player or a coach. I know some people would argue Devin Booker because he's technically coming in as point book, but there were certain Mikael Bridges stretches I watched during the start of the season. Do you remember that game in San Antonio when he took over and scored on three straight possessions? Yeah, Mikael. Guess, guess who was calling the play? Yeah, Chris. Guess Ball. who was changing up the play? Just little itty bitty tweaks. They're running the same thing, but a little bit different. Yes, uh, Monty would often be in a like, I don't think he's joking. He's, He's like, it sounds like he's joking, but he's not joking. When he would talk about how much Chris did for them in terms of play calling, in terms of the strategies that they were doing, it's a big loss there alone. And then you talk about the fact that, hey, he's still a top 10, 12 point guard in the regular season. I hate that I have to put that label on him. But Kevin, we're three straight years into it now where he's broken down in the playoffs. I'm curious
1: what Devin Booker thinks about all this because, you know, there's obviously the assumption that Devin Booker wanted to talk or recruit Bradley Beal probably, and he probably had the hand in this. Um, But also, I think Devin Booker and Chris Paul are super tight, right? And I'd be curious to know how much Devin Booker learned from Chris Paul and how him manipulating the offense toward the end of this season, how much he's grown since three years ago. And I think it'd be a lot. And just to talk on chris's legacy more just as a player more so than as a phoenix son, like we talk about he's always a step ahead and we we looked at the nugget series when they went to the finals and conference semifinals, and he was just killing them in the mid-range and it, it was so simple that they were playing drop coverage so why wouldn't i add that to my game and that's kind of what he spoke about as being a huge part of his career like if the three ball and the layups are so important analytically, why wouldn't I just take the shot that everyone's giving up and be really good at it? Yeah. Like that sounds really simple, but that's the genius in why he became what he was. Same thing with that classic rip through. And you wrote a good story. a you, uh, was it last year or something? Just about all the signature Paul plays. And the rip through is obviously the one people like go to when like some random Cleveland Cavalier does a rip through. It's like, Oh, he did the Chris Paul move. That was based on how they changed a the rule and how they were trying to not get players debate. But he he said that's
2: that's my natural. You wouldn't believe how many guards say I, I saw Chris Paul do that. Yeah, when they do like when they have a center. So let's say uh, DeAndre gets the rebound. Yeah, throws it to Chris Paul. DeAndre is contesting the rebound with the fellow center. Chris will get in front of that center guarding DeAndre and block him from running up the court so that DeAndre can beat him down the court. And now someone has to guard Chris because the guy behind him is supposed to be guarding Chris, but he's behind him. He can't yeah. guard him from behind. And now DeAndre is open for a dunk. Oh, God. And Cam Johnson three. And it's just like, what just... And it, it was that mind. It was the way that he would manipulate the game. And I think we didn't really hit on this with Gambo. So I want to say it here. I think that he is undoubtedly... Up there with sons, legends, icons, whatever you want to call them. He should be in the ring of honor. He was only here for three years. But what he achieved and the level that he was playing at made two all-NBA teams, made two all-star teams. He has some of the best playoff performances individually of all time. I think anytime we see a big closeout game in the future, the bar is going to be either game six of the Western Conference Finals in 2021. Or 14 for 14 in New Orleans last year where I could sense, to make a Harry Potter metaphor that I stole out of ArizonaSports.com as well. He's like a Dementor sucking the souls <laughs> of everyone in the building. They were hopeless watching this man. They knew what he was going to do, and they couldn't stop him. The guys on the floor knew, and they couldn't stop him. Even late, like this past off,
1: or postseason, excuse me, there were just moments where he and DA would take over late in a game after KD and Book had carried them all to that point, and that was just the most demoralizing. You could see it on the Clippers' faces where he just decides, I'll okay, we're going to put this one away. KD and book have done everything to this point, And suddenly I'm just going to turn it on. And like, yeah, it, it's part of his, I guess, legacy that he couldn't do that all the time anymore, but man, that, that was like super cool to watch. And I, I guess for his son's legacy, I'm, I think it is inhibited by his reputation already going into this whole thing before he was a Phoenix son. About the injuries that was already there, the the choking stuff. I not don't think winning. I, yeah, that that's not fair. Um, so I think he definitely deserves his due. I just am curious. Like people probably won't put him up with Nash. Like right now, like we should be like this is the end of N- Do you remember when Nash was traded to the Lakers? <laughs> like he's traded to the Lakers, and it was like a long goodbye. Like his last game as a son, it was a goodbye, and this just feels very different for a lot of different reasons, and I don't think it's necessarily fair to to not include him among
2: Barkley, Nash, and that kind of thing. But I think that's going to be the case. One of my favorite phrases on the podcast that I can now say on live radio, two things can be true. They're going to miss him. It was time for him to move on. Both things can be true. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And it's ultimately what it's going to come down to for the way – uh, that he was remembered. But yeah, we are going to see him. By the way, Kevin, um, if he goes to the Lakers, can you imagine that first game? KD <laughs> versus LeBron for the first time in seven, eight years, whatever it's been. Booker absolutely guarding Chris by the way, and Chris absolutely guarding him. Like that's just happening. Those two are gonna go after each other. It would be incredible stuff. Coming up, if you did your homework at home, you're about to be involved on the radio show. That's right. At the Empire of the Suns Twitter, we took some questions that people have about the Bradley Beal trade. We're gonna answer them coming up next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on the Arizona Sports app at
2: 98.7. One hour to go here in the show. Kellen Olson joined as always by Kevin Zerman, the Empire of the Suns podcast. That is what we are. We are here today to lead you up to D-backs pregame coverage at 430 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That Bradley Beal guy got traded to the Suns. So here we are doing a little bit of a show. We were joined by John Gambodoro for an hour earlier in the show. If you're just tuning in now and you're usually used to hearing John Gambadoro, Dave Burns here, they'll be back tomorrow. If you want to hear Gambo, you can go on ArizonaSports.com, look up the Empire of the Suns podcast there, and we will have it uploaded for you, Gambo's segment on the show. We hope you stick around for the next hour. Otherwise, uh, for those of you... You filled out your homework, you got your permission slip signed. You did everything you needed to to come on the field trip today. We're very proud of you. That's <laughs> at Empire of the Suns on Twitter. Not going to spell that for you. If you need it spelled for you, you are a lost cause. We're going to start <laughs> with Kyle McDonald because Kyle answered our Q&A. We just said, hey. You got questions about this Beal trade? We'll answer them on the show tomorrow, and we got a couple. Kyle asked an interesting one, and what Kyle wanted to know was we saw immediately when Devin Booker and Kevin Durant played together how much opened up on the floor for Devin Booker. But now that we've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant here in Phoenix and Bradley Beal is arriving, which guy benefits more from Beal being here, Kevin? Is it Devin Booker or Kevin Durant? Can I cheat and say it's Bradley Beal? <laughs> no. Uh, That's not I what I think it's Bradley Beal. Okay. Kyle didn't...
1: Submit I think, his question,
2: put in all that hard-earned work for you to take a cop out. I know. I'm sorry, Kyle.
1: I'll answer the question. It's Devin Booker, and I think that's oh, more so because, it, again, it, it's shifting him to the point guard spot, and to me he just operates at a different level there, and I think that that's why, again, I Stephen A. Smith's voice, with all due respect, I didn't do it very well. Just imagine I did with Stephen A. Smith's voice. I'm not bailing you out here, buddy. I don't have a good Stephen A either. No, that's fine. Eric, no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with all due respect, Bradley Beal's an awesome player, but this trade is about Devin Booker to me. And, and I think him playing point guard is going to open up his game. He doesn't have to score. And, you know, people will talk about this, might be cheating on another question we got. They talk about Devin's usage, overuse, but I think this will allow him to kind of pick his spots more as a scorer and distribute and run the offense and I think that could be good like he just looked awesome as point guard and he did too much probably in the playoffs this past run but I, I really like that he might be able to sit back and kind of dictate pace more what do you do you think
2: that you think more with KD I think so sorry I was distracted by a Chris Farm State uh, Chris Paul State Farm commercial <laughs> that's an awkward time for those to be running I agree with you. I think that the biggest beneficiary of this is Devin Booker, and I want to completely just layer on this part of the conversation, which is that whenever Kevin Durant steps on the basketball court, he is demanding defensive attention, normally two guys. With that being said, how Bradley Beal scores is going to be crucial to the way that Devin Booker gets more relief. And what I mean by that is Bradley Beal over the last five seasons, the minimum amount of his total shots at the rim has been 29%. It's been 29% or higher. That is a really good mark for a guard, and it is better than anything we've seen in Booker's career. Now, we know that Booker primarily feasts in the mid-range, but we know that he gets to the rim quite a bit. Beal trumps him in that category. He's another guy who does really well getting to the line, but as well... He shoots north of 65% at the rim all five of those years as well. Those are really, really good numbers. And then you go to the mid range, he shoots 45% there. Like he's just a very complete score but specifically with generating rim pressure. So that's where Kevin Durant not necessarily is going to get within five feet of the basket every single time. That's what Bradley Beal wants to do. He wants to do his dribble hesitation stuff with the ball screen. He wants to reject it. He wants to slither. He wants to slash a bit and then he wants to get to the basket, use that floater, go through contact, get to the line, look for a kick out pass potentially. That's what he's going to do. So I think that ultimately Booker is a guy to develop and to take it another step further. You've got two guards that are the same size You've normally got, you're lucky if you have one pretty good defender to throw on one of those guys when they come to your town. Uh, what do you do with two of them? <laughs> I
0: don't know.
2: So there are going to be nights where a team looks at Bradley Beal and says, that is the matchup that we're more favorable with. So we're going to send our best defender on him, or it's going to be on Kevin Durant. Like we saw this, Chris Paul talked about it himself. Like he was so used to Jalen McDaniels from Minnesota pestering him the entire game. That guy had to guard Kevin Durant now. So that guy, like a point guard, for example, like Mike Conley in that specific example, is going to have to guard Bradley Beal now. That is problematic, and it's going to help everyone involved. Our last four questions have to do with roster construction. We'll kind of briefly tap through them a bit. Cody Hunt, our friend on Sun's Twitter, asked, other than Booker, Beal, KD, and a center, what will the fifth starter be? And this is something that we've talked about. Will it be a point guard? Will it be a wing? Will it be a power forward? Because the thing to understand is Devin Booker is pretty much going to be the point guard it is going to be point book, but what is the actual position that that fifth starter can be? Because it can be those three spots. Let let's not look at like guys that can they can potentially get Kevin, and instead okay. focus on what makes the most sense. What makes the most sense to you? It doesn't matter
1: as much as long as they can shoot three What's with you
2: not answering the question? I don't. I don't
1: know. I have <laughs> commitment issues, I guess. Um, I think it just needs to be three and D guy, and whoever the best is, that it, that's that's fine. If it's a point guard, if it's matchup based, like, do you think it's going to be the same five every time? That's another thing. It's like, does Frank Vogel care that much about keeping? Like, I, I think most coaches really do want consistency and continuity with their starting lineups. So I, I might be getting ahead of myself there. But honestly, it depends on who's out there. And I, I think floor spacing is important. They're going to have to play defense, obviously. Um, I I think it can work anyway because, again, even if it's, again, Pat Beverly, if you say that's who's the starting point guard, technically it's still going to be book running the offense. So I think
2: it's very dependent on that. Again, we're taking questions from Twitter. That is at Empire of the Suns. We are going to be, be doing much more of this in the future on our podcast. And, hey, if we're back here for live radio, we'll do it again. So you snooze, you lose on this edition. But maybe the next one you can get involved like Logan Bruner. Logan asks, who do you think the Suns are looking for to fill out the roster now? This ties into your question, Kevin, and there's been a running joke on Suns Twitter and something that we've talked about a lot is the Suns have some three and they've got some D, but they don't have the three and D specifically. Like if you combine Josh Okogi and Terrence Ross into one player, that guy's making $25 million a year. He would be an incredible basketball player, but they just don't have any of those guys. So I think if there's one guy specifically, whether it is in a DeAndre Ayton trade, whether it is in a signing for the veterans minimum, if you can find someone who can check both of those boxes, I don't care what position they're at because you just need that specific guy who is not a liability on either end of the court. I think it was one of the more underrated things about them. Doing the Kevin Durant trade is that they traded three good two-way wings, and good two-way wings get paid. We're going to see what winds up happening with Jay Crowder after a weird situation that ended in Milwaukee. Cam Johnson, we're not worried about him getting paid. That guy's about to get the bag. Mikkel Bridges, guess what? When you're watching those playoff intros now, they're showing all the star players on each team. Look at Mikel Bridges popping up there in Brooklyn. Look at him go. He should have got paid more. He's going to be an all-star next year. I don't care who knows. I say that. It's going to happen, and we're going to talk about it a lot when it happens at the time and talk about the Kevin Durant (laughs) what-ifs. What What we are going to talk about next is what Scott Coleman asked. He said, what vet minimum guys are available? I like the way that Scott phrased that, so we don't have to necessarily say Who is best, but we kind of have a running list set up, Kevin, that we're going to go more into on ArizonaSports.com over the next week or two. But who jumps out to you at those three kind of spots we talked about? And we could be looking at even centers potentially, depending on what happens with DeAndre as well. Dennis Schroeder. Would take a discount. I think a, a lot of these guys we have to asterisk would take a discount. That would be a discount. Yeah,
1: that'd be a major discount. Again, good on both ends. Dribble equity has been there before in playoff runs um wings we got danny green josh richardson seth curry will barton Yuta um wantanabe we were both big will barton guys oh yeah love will barton that that's actually one that really pops to me because i think that's relatively attainable would you agree
2: would he take Vetmin? Yuta, or will 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 would I think I, I think Will certainly would yeah yeah I mean the the whole thing here and, and to wrap it up with our last question which was from pessimistic Suns fan he asked our thoughts on Jordan Goodwin and it's that. He can be a contributor. I think if you look at 3 and D, and especially what you're looking for, some of the numbers for him were a bit more encouraging than you would expect on open threes and things like that. But he can really defend. And I think if you come in here, and if you can space the floor well and make good decisions, or you can just really defend and be versatile, you are going to have a chance to play minutes. And the fact that they got one of those guys in this trade for Bradley Beal is huge because of the limited options that they are dealing with. We've been talking a lot about second aprons. Kevin. We're not talking about kitchenware necessarily. A lot of people listening have no idea what that means. Well, stick around because we're going to talk about it next on Arizona sports, your local sports leader,
0: Arizona sports on the Arizona sports app
2: at 98.7. Welcome back to Arizona sports, the local sports leader. I'm Kellen Olson, furiously chewing the food that I was just trying to finish before the break. (laughs) And I successfully did. I'm joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We co-host, the Empire of the Suns podcast together while doing a bunch of work on ArizonaSports.com as well. Hi! You're not supposed to admit what you almost did. makes me relatable, Kevin. You know, that's, that's really true. what that's I'm here true. for. Speaking of relatable things that everyone understands and relates to, <laughs> the second apron. You like how I did that, Eric Ruby? You see that? Oh my gosh. Wow. Can't get this anywhere else, baby. No, no, no. Only the Empire of the Suns podcast on ArizonaSports.com, the Arizona Sports app. Look at that. Look at this guy. He's firing today. Company A. Hey, Kevin. What's the second apron? Why are people talking about this so much after the Suns traded for Bradley Beal? (sighs) To explain it
1: very simply, the collective bargaining agreement was redone to prevent teams like the Phoenix Suns from creating super teams. How do they do that? There was a tax apron already where there are penalties for going above it. You pay a lot more money to go above it. Now there are two, and the penalties get a lot worse, such as if you're in that second apron for multiple years— You might just have that first round pick of yours, regardless of how good or bad you are, fall
2: to the very back end of the first round. That's a very bad one. There are a lot of other ones. So to clarify on something you're saying, let's say a team has a payroll of $190 million. The team is paying for that, and then they are paying luxury tax fees. Mm -hmm. And what the league does in order to prevent teams from doing this too consistently is the fees get worse and worse the longer you do it. There's something called a repeater tax that starts to factor in. Um, fortunately for the Suns, they were owned by Robert Sarver at a certain point, Kevin, and they were never really a tax team. So the repeater is not something we'll have to worry about this season. Maybe in a couple of years' time, the Beal, Durant, and Booker salaries are on the books together for at least three more seasons. And, and I mean, we haven't even talked about this. Like, a I assume they'd like want to probably like resign Bradley Beal at, at some point after the contract if he's looking well enough. Like if KD still got something left in the tank, you want to bring him back. We haven't really talked about that yet and those potential implications. But getting into what you're saying – ESPN's Bobby Marks pretty much knows this stuff just about better than anybody. And he went on a YouTube video and kind of ran through exactly what those punishments are. I'm about to click the button. I'm scared. I hope it works.
3: Here we go, kids. You ready? There's nine different things. You can't aggregate salary, so you can't take back a $20 million guy and a $15 million for DeAndre Ayton. You cannot send out cash in a deal. You cannot acquire a player um, who is originally... Um, sent out in a sign-in trade. So, for example, if Kyrie Irving was sign-in trade and he becomes available in a trade, you cannot go out and get him, okay? The new draft pick rules. Your first-round pick, which it will be in 2032nd, 2000, God forsake, who knows if we're all going to be here by then, <laughs> is now frozen. You will not be able to trade that <laughs> in the future here.
2: So, some of what Bobby is getting into there, and, and a lot of it that we're going to continue with, there's still 45 seconds left on that cut that we're going to play here because we didn't get the full loadout in there. But essentially, what this is going to do, Kevin, is restrict your ability to acquire other players. The taxpayer mid level exception is a signing that is in place, a mechanism that is in place so that taxpaying teams can still sign someone beyond the veterans minimum. They can only use it once on one guy per year, but these teams in the second apron do not get this any longer. That was something we were talking about with the sons and them waving Chris Paul and needing to wave him in order to open that up. And in trades, I think people don't realize this and believe me, everyone is like this. You just go to the trade machine, you put in a trade and you, and it works or it doesn't work. And you don't know how, why or it doesn't work or something, but it, there are certain exceptions that get put into play where a trade becomes legal. For example, Having DeAndre in and trading him, attaching a player to him—those are things that the Suns will not be able to do in the future if they continue to be in the second apron. If you acquire, you will only be able to do one-for-one one trades. You won't even be able to. Those are some of the things that Bobby is getting into, and he continues going forward.
3: If you are in the second apron in three out of five next years, which would be next year and in two more additional years, your first-round pick. In 2032, gets moved to the back of the first round. So if it's, you have the the fourth pick in a draft, that goes to pick 30. Um, you cannot acquire a player in a signing trade. You can't use your tax mid-level exception. You can't use a trade exception. That all goes away. So basically, you are married to your roster. You are you better hope these four players, or as I said, if Aiton gets moved in another deal, you better hope this works out because there is no wiggle room. You basically have to pull the Miami Heat out of the hat here as far as how you construct your roster here.
2: To go back to our Zoomer terminology, Kevin, they just said bet. They're like, all right, yep. we'll just get our guys and figure it out. This is why, for example, Jordan Goodwin, getting him and getting him on a deal that includes a team option for the season after next is really important. That is why it is important that ESPN's Brian Windhorst has been reporting that the trade exception that Bobby's mentioning that can go away, they are rarely used, but the Suns have a $5 million trade exception and they're figuring out if they can use it because if they can, it's a way to acquire a player and they're basically out of it. There's another column on ArizonaSports.com written by Calendolson. Olson. He had three of them, for goodness That's sake, you. in an 18-hour span. That's me. That's me, the guy talking. I wrote about how crucial the NBA draft is going to be for them. I wrote this before the Bradley Beal trade, <laughs> but after the Bradley Beal trade and with the context of that now including Included in there, it's even more important because if you can get a second round pick and hit on it, that's a guy that you can continue to re-sign. You're not going to be able to afford guys that are going to make ten to fifteen million dollars a year unless they're your your own guys going forward. That's what Bobby is basically going over there. I wrote this on ArizonaSports.com. Was
1: look, Matt Ishbia says money follows success. He's said it in pretty much every interview he's done, and you know, hey, guy who owns a mortgage lending business. Number uh, yeah, one in you the country, say, don't you forget it. Number yes, one in the world. Yes, better than that That Cavaliers. Anyway, he says that a lot, but he's backing it up. And basically what he said, <laughs> and what Brian Windhorst wrote, is the Suns were like, wait, if we're going to be over that line, that second apron, we're not just going to be a little over. We might as well just blow right through it. I think he used the word explode through it. And they're going to have to do that because it's going to be spending money. Like, look, the two players, Isaiah Todd... Um, Jordan Goodwin being in this deal, that helps a little bit. Um, but you're going to pay taxes. The only way to basically, if you want to get draft picks to pay less money, you're going to have to pay flat-out cash because I don't know what else they trade um, at this point unless it's like campaigns, the only last thing that you're really going to get unless it's some and deal that we don't see. So he's going to have to pay cash just to get in the draft. And those are late picks as is. So he's finding ways to spend a lot of money again just to fill out this roster and and that's what you're gonna have to do with the brad biel acquisition so it's just a completely twisted way of looking at this new cba and (laughs) just like i will spend as much money as i need and that's kind of oversimplifying it but that's what he's basically done with this trade
2: It's wild. Uh, The show that is normally on in this time slot is the Burns and Gamble show and something that they've been calling it for a while with the Kevin Durant has been the grand experiment like this essentially something that we didn't really see before a guy playing less than 10 games throwing him him in the playoffs with his group. Let's see if they can win championship. The next grand experiment is this because when these rules started to get announced in in April ESPN's Brian Windhorse had this in his story that the Suns found out when we did. Like we were getting these stories just when it's like when players get traded and find out via a a notification from Gamble or someone else like they were. We were finding out the same time they were with all these kinds of restrictions. And the thing that I tweeted when Bradley Beal originally became available is I think everyone was kind of waiting and staring around and waiting to see who exactly is going to try this. Who is going to be in the second apron for these multiple years beyond teams like the Clippers and Warriors who are already positioned to be there? Who is going to be a team that's going to say, hey, look, Bradley Beal's an awesome basketball player. We're going to get him for pennies. Screw it. Let's do it. And Matt Ishbia and, and the gang and the sons in the Suns for an Office, they said, screw it. And they're blowing right through the thing, like you said. We talked about it with Gambo. At some point, you had to think the Wizards
1: called other people, tried to get more in that trade instead of just Chris Paul, Landry Shammah, and picks. And so now it's like, man, they, there really wasn't anyone willing to even think about this, is how I'm taking this. And that's why this is so crazy and we're here right now talking about this.
2: A galaxy brain thing that we should mention really quickly is Uh that we looked at the Clippers as an example of a tax-paying team when we were talking about the possibility of the Suns getting here two years ago in the Wild West of these teams. Something that the Clippers did a lot of when they couldn't really, when they were hand-tied necessarily, they were acquiring players in trades and then re-signing them. Robert Covington, Norman Powell, and so on. They did that. That is something that the Suns are going to be looking to do as well. They can re-sign Tory Craig and Jock Landell for a fair bit of change because of those bird rights. Let's say you sign Tory Craig for $10 million a year. Well, that seems like an overpay. Well, Landry Schammett's like an overpay, too. But then the way that his contract worked, he wasn't overpaid, to be clear. But the way that his contract worked is it gave them flexibility in trade. So if you acquire Tory Craig for that money, then you can trade him on that expiring deal at the trade deadline for someone who's maybe on an expiring deal, too. But then you can resign them or it's someone who's on a longer term deal that team doesn't want to keep. There are lots of things here that the two dummies like me and you, the blog boys, are kind of trying to figure out right now. So I hope our listeners are more informed and informed. After that coming up next on Arizona sports, we will be discussing further the Bradley Beal guy. Just how good is this guy at basketball? How does he fit in on the Suns? What are they going to get from him as a basketball player over the next couple of years? We'll be talking about that next on Arizona sports, the local sports leader.
0: Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like I'm book, ay. wet like I'm book, ay. wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast.
1: Empire of the Suns.
2: How you feeling, buddy? Two seconds left. Oh yeah, I got flying by. Yeah. We obviously have to spend one talking about the United States men's national team, the Nations League final, Fuller and Balogun scoring his first goal. Your thoughts on Gio Reyna's play and Greg Berhalter the war crimes that he has committed
0: not playing him. <laughs>
2: They should play the good soccer guy, yeah. Hi, I'm Kellen Olson. Welcome back. Empire of the Suns podcast, live radio edition. The Suns acquired Bradley Beal yesterday. You are used to hearing the Burns and Gambo show at this time. You weren't going to have anything on the air right now, to be honest. You're going to have whatever they put on when we don't have shows. I I guess I should know that for the radio station I've worked eight years at, but you've got us. Uh, We had Gambo on for the first hour of the show, so if you're tuning in and you're used to hearing Burns and Gambo and want to hear from Gambo specifically, head on over to ArizonaSports.com, click on the Empire of the Suns podcast. You We'll see the first hour of the show there. Gambo, believe it or not, Kevin, had a lot of information that wasn't anywhere else, and he shared a lot of it with us. We are going to be talking more about Bradley Beal, though, for the next 30 minutes. We will take you up to pregame coverage for the D-backs at 4.30. Pretty good baseball team over there. One of the hottest teams Mm. in baseball over there going on right now. Speaking of must-watch stuff, Bradley Beal is one of the most must-watch things in, in, (laughs) in basketball, Kevin, but I think a lot of people who are listening to the show right now and are catching up on this, are trying to figure out where it adds up. And what I mean by that is they're like, okay, you're telling me this guy is a top 25, 30, 35, 40 player in the league, however you want to go with ranking your players, right? And you're telling me the Suns just got him for Chris Paul, Landry Sham at second-round picks and draft swaps. How? How does that happen exactly? And it starts with the contract that Washington signed him to, right, Kevin?
1: The no-trade clause was a huge deal and and that basically let (laughs) congrats to bradley beal not only is his contract larger than devin bookers and kevin durant's he gets paid a lot he got to decide hey i would like to go to that team in phoenix it's nice there they're the weather they don't have the winter times um they have two really good players i'd like to play with i would like to go there and the wizards were like okay because they didn't have any other choice. And and that's the biggest thing in all this. And why the trade package was what it was. I, I follow Wizards people. Um, and they were prepared for this. <laughs> Everyone was saying over there. This is going to be a really get ready Wizards fans. This is going to be a depressing package. And boy was it. Um, Chris Paul probably does not want to play with them. And yeah. It's it's hard to put wrap your head around. But. Say injury history, I guess, has something to do with that. The money. Yeah, we'll we'll
2: get into that a bit. We talked about yeah. the apron, but what what did you think went well, into this? With these types of things, it's very important to understand the, the minutia and the details. We spent last segment kind of introing people to the second apron if they weren't familiar with what exactly it means, what it is, how it exists. Bradley Beal is on a Supermax extension, and these were implemented in the league in a device that grants teams the access to quite frankly, just overpay their premium young talent. And you can only have two of those on your team at the same time. But essentially what it is, is we will give you this inordinate amount of money. So you have to sign with us. We're we're the, we're the Washington wizards. Yes. You want to go play in a place like Miami or Phoenix or LA or Chicago or whatever, whatever marquee market. Right. But we're going to give you so much money. That you, you can't go anywhere. And the thinking behind this from the league was guys are gonna stay. We're gonna see a lot more Damian Lillards, we're gonna see a lot more Devin Bookers, we're gonna see these guys like Dirk and Tim Duncan who stay with one team their entire career, right? That those are the guys we're gonna see. But, worked, worked. but kinda what, kinda what has happened is <laughs> instead, what has happened is these players find themselves in a situation where they are still on that bad team. And then they just want to leave once they get the money. And now they have to get traded with that money. And Bradley Beal is making $50 million a year. And normally when we're talking about trades, Kevin, when we've got a $20, $30 million deal, we're talking about that as large. This is twice that. It's $50 million. So figuring out exactly how to make a trade like that work, especially with the second apron, especially with just quite frankly, I think we're talking about the second apron so much. We just forget about luxury tax paying teams in general and how they're like six or seven a year. There are teams that don't want to pay the luxury tax. They look at Bradley Beal and say, no, we don't want to pay the extra fees to bring this guy in. It doesn't make sense for us. That doesn't make sense to me because Bradley Beal is a fantastic basketball player. He's a three-level scorer. He's one of the best scorers in basketball. If you're looking at the last five seasons combined, going back to 2018 and you're looking at the leaders in points per game over those five years, Bradley Beal's in the top ten, and he's doing it efficiently and he's doing it on bad teams. Now, there are some injury concerns. There were two season-ending surgeries. There was some time missed for COVID across like two or three different seasons. I think he had it a couple of times. So there are some things in there from an injury front to be concerned about. He turns 30 later this month. So the age is fine. You just worry about exactly how healthy he can be and of course that's where we talked about it with kevin Durant, and we talked about it going like if any of their guys get hurt if any of those four guys get hurt they're screwed and chris paul got hurt and they were screwed and in this category it's the same thing if any three of these guys get hurt they are screwed probably i'll say now if they're in a first or a second round matchup where they're by far the favorite team they've still got two of the other superstars they only had two before and now they've got well they've got two superstars and they've got a star i don't want to Put that label on Bradley Beal too much, but again, to the people listening, figuring out, so they, so they salary dumped him. What? Like, yes, that's what they figured out to do because they went through and figured out what they could get exactly. And sorted through that. But then these morons gave Bradley Beal a no trade clause, which allowed him (laughs) to dictate exactly where he wanted to go. A no trade clause is to just give a little bit more incentive. Thank you, Bradley, for staying in Washington. We really appreciate you wanting to come here. The $251 million is not enough, apparently. So we're going to give you a no trade clause as well. So in case this doesn't work out, you're going to be able to hold us hostage and dictate wherever you want to go. I am ranting about this because the Wizards should be the focus of this, and them giving out that no-trade clause is exactly why they're here. Kevin, if Bradley Beal doesn't have this no-trade clause, he's not a Phoenix Sun, but yeah. he has this no-trade clause, so he can not only dictate where he wants to go, but if the Suns are like what Gamble reported earlier, which was that they didn't want to give up DeAndre, and they're like, no, you're going to take Chris Paul." and you're, by the way, you have to guarantee the $30 million, by the way, or find a third team. Our phone lines are open. Let us know. <laughs> And they know they have to trade him there. Like that's what happened. This is what
1: happened. It was a whoopsie and when you heard the Bradley Beal rumor at first, did you think Chris Paul would be a part of it? I was like, "No, he's not going to be a part of it. Like they want D'A and I like I, I was like it's not getting done without D'A."
2: No team is going to is going to waive him and, and D'A would eat. almost be a kind of a dump, not a dump in that case, yeah. but like the- No team is going to waive him for $30 million and no team is going to take Chris Paul on for $30 million, but that's apparently what's going to happen. Yeah cuz this we
1: were talking about no re- trade clause. Yeah, we are talking about releasing Chris Paul. And that's where we're at. Are you all right? It was a whoopsie. Don't give that's never going to happen again, I don't think.
2: I just don't like how so much of the focus rightfully so it's on the team that acquires the star and we're talking about how the Suns look, but the Wizards aren't taking enough crap for what I mean, what yeah, Gambo
1: is saying everyone else
2: is They salary heated, dumped the top 40 surprised. player in the league. Yeah. Everyone's talking He's 29 about 29 years old. <laughs> it's insane. It's hard to believe. The Suns are the beneficiaries of this, of course, which is where Suns fans should be thrilled because they were the team to capitalize on it. Yes, there are things in the second apron that will restrict the Suns' ability to build their team conceptually. There are things that they're not going to be able to get around. There are just undeliverables, if that's the right way to kind of put it. Like, there's just no goes that are going to be there. But the biggest penalty by far is just Matt pockets. Like, that's it. Yeah. And as a fan... You shouldn't care about that. Like this this lesson is you can
1: get off any money, right? Chris Paul got off that money in a way, turned it into Bradley Beal. They got off that money. That's why I think in this next week we're gonna see maybe a DA move because that would obviously shore things up as far as roster building. Twenty-five-twenty-six, uh in two seasons, three seasons, I guess, the Suns will be paying out about one ninety-six million between four players the four players that are right now they have that's including da that's insane and that's to your point about Matt Ishbia's pockets uh he's like yeah I'll worry about that later because I have Bradley Beal right now
2: <laughs> and, and I get it like there are two shooting guards on in the starting five now it's not the coziest of fits but It really helps what we're seeing in basketball right now, which is a guy like Devin Booker, who is a shooting guard, is also one of the best point guards in the league. Kevin Durant can be a center at times, and he can also run your offense. We're in this era of skill and talent in the league where a lot of these things are possible now. So offensively, I think it works a lot. I think some of our questions, of course, are going to be defensively. But all of this talk and all of this criticism of the Suns that they're taking from just quite honestly what are uninformed opinions because they didn't know how limited the Suns were coming into this, you also just can't criticize their depth right now when you don't know what it is because they don't have any because they really don't have anyone else really under contract. They only have five or six guys under contract right now. So we just don't know what the team is going to look like until the second, third week of July. That's when we can not only say, okay, was it worth it, the lack of depth, all that kind of stuff. Was it worth it to trade for Bradley Beal? How do they stack up against the Denver Nuggets and so on and so forth? But I want to frame it this way already now without even knowing what that roster looks
1: like. Do you think that this trade changes in a dramatic fashion how good the 7th, 8th guy are? I don't. No. And so that's where it's like you turned Bradley Beal, a guy who is only a couple seasons removed from being a 30 point per game scorer, went for the scoring title. I believe he fell very short of it. Just short, not very short. He's your third best player. And that's where, like, I get the injury stuff. But he has this thing about him that was kind of like book before book, and the Suns turned the corner where, like, he just doesn't get the respect. And hearing the reactions around the league through Gambo and other places about being surprised that he got got for that cost is why, like, a good point that in the league he's
2: very valued.
1: I guess to say that.
2: Kevin, we know DeAndre Ayton could potentially be on the move coming into the offseason, but with this level of a magnitude of a type of blockbuster trade, how much does it change the market for DeAndre Ayton? Do the Suns look to hold on to DeAndre Ayton? Do they still look to trade? And we're going to talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, on the Arizona Sports app at
2: 98.7. Welcome back to Arizona Sports FM, the local sports leader. My name is Kel Nolson. I co-host a podcast called Empire of the Suns. We talk about the Phoenix Suns. It would be weird if we didn't with that kind of name in Phoenix. I co-host it with Kevin Zimmerman, who's here with me in studio. We've been doing a radio show for the last two hours and 15 minutes. We're about to do 10 more, 12 more. And then that's it. D-backs pregame coverage coming. We're here on a holiday coming in because guess what? Bradley Beal got traded to the Phoenix Suns. Hey, man. You've driven us this far, just a little more. You're doing great. I think you're doing great, I'm buddy. just sitting here doing nothing, yeah. Shut up. You're doing <laughs> a lot, as always. You're the lead editor of ArizonaSports.com, by the way. Don't you ever forget it, pal. I cover the Phoenix Suns. We both cover this team extensively. We've had the Empire of the Suns podcast now for eight years, nine years at this point. Whoa. I think ever since we got here. I've been here for eight years now, so I think we're at, we're at a, a, seven and a, a half. half. We started it with that other idiot, and, and now, we're, now we're here, <laughs> right? So... DeAndre Ayton, we haven't really hit on him much in the show yet, and we wanted to end on him because I think there's a lot to resurface with him and a lot to look at. The initial question everyone has, of course, is, uh, hey, what's the market for him now, like after Bradley Beal? And guess what, Sean, you talked about that on the Pat McAfee show.
3: A lot of weapons for sure, and DeAndre Ayton will be your fourth best player on this team, and we'll see if he's going to be there. I do think one thing, Pat, that has happened since this trade is Phoenix has been getting a lot of calls on DeAndre Ayton in the last – uh, 12 to 18 hours. Teams seeing if, if now DeAndre Ayton is a little bit more attainable. So we'll see if he's going to be back on the team or not next year.
2: Speaking of the Empire of the Suns podcast and how long we've been doing it, longtime listeners know that whenever we're talking about reports, whenever we are hearing from those guys, we're hearing from Campbell, hearing from these guys, we really want to focus on the verbiage. It's really important how they word their words. It is intentional. It is for a reason. Right there, Shams talks about now if DeAndre Ayton is more attainable. Which is interesting. And what I infer from that, Kevin, and let me know if you agree, is teams were inquiring about DeAndre Ayton, hearing about him. The Suns shared their price with him, and they were like, no, thank you. (laughs) But then they saw the Bradley Beal trade, and they were like, hey, I know you didn't want to go out on Friday night, but how's Saturday night look for you? Dating analogies, huh? Um, She said no both times. Spoiler alert.
1: (laughs) Gambo's info about the Wizards wanting D.A.? Not surprising to me, but that just means they're playing hardball, right? And and it was easy again. Leverage talked, season,
2: baby. Leverage
1: season. They played hardball with that team that wasn't in good spot. They have a new GM. He just wants to get off that deal contract, whatever. But now I think it's also a matter of, okay, you got a more important piece to your team done, and now it's moving on, and DA's probably the most... Talked about trade asset in the entire NBA right now, unless I'm
2: wrong about that. That's- uh, Damian Lillard not existing, would yeah. be the only thing because he's talked. He, he said, once a week he says I'm committed to Portland, but then and yeah. then someone talks about him getting traded. Still, yeah, Son Williamson coming around, but yeah, D A is
0: up there,
1: and it, and it's assumed to be not the biggest price because the Suns do are they're they're in a bad spot as far as finances, and I I know. Like we talked about, Matt Ishbia wanting or being okay to spend money, but it just makes sense. It makes too much sense to move him, get a couple other players in there, have a better fleshed-out rotation. Um, I don't know. What do you think his
2: market's like? Because to me, it's... That has been an undeniable question that we've been looking at. Remember you in February? You were just like, I don't know, man. I don't think it's good, but... Well, you were just—you like, were even questioning if they could trade him. Like, if they yeah. want to trade him, can they? Yeah. What can they get for him realistically? Can they salary dump him? Would they even salary dump him? What would they take back? And that's kind of what we've been trying to figure out with him exactly. And with what Gambo has been reporting that it, maybe DeAndre Ayton isn't Plan A or Plan B for someone, but he can be Plan C. And the, and the fact that Shams is out there reporting that and, and insinuating—not insinuating, just flat out saying that teams are reaching out to the Suns about DeAndre—and that's very good news for Suns fans to hear because I just don't think we were that sure. Adrian Wojnarowski was on Ryan Russo's podcast earlier in the week, or I believe at the end of last week, since earlier in the week at the start of the week <laughs> wouldn't really work for the talking guy over here. At the end of the week, he was talking about how he characterized the market right now for DeAndre Eden as lean. And I think this is one of those situations where now you can say, oh, Woj was wrong because says no, no, again, two things, things can changed. be correct. Two things can be correct and things change. I think that the market is still quote unquote lean. But I do think that that doesn't mean that there aren't interested teams. I think teams are reaching out and saying, okay, you wanted this much in this guy. Ah, eh, What about this guy? And then the pick instead of this pick, it's that pick. Or how about no pick at all? The swap and eh, I don't know about like all those kinds of things. Teams are now checking in because there is a significant shift in their roster. They just got Bradley Beal. They just traded two guys and more picks for him. So they're going to check back in and see exactly what they're looking like. But again, to go back to my core point, I think this is only good news, and I think that it shows that no matter what, if the Suns are in a mindset of, I think this has to be DeAndre's last season, then they're going to be in a good enough position to do so to trade him. And as you and I have been talking about on our podcast more, and we will more in the coming weeks, I think that they're at a point of no return with DeAndre. I think that the way that he regressed last season and the way that he played in the postseason specifically, I just don't know how you can realistically tell yourself you're going to be title contenders when you are relying on him to the extent that you are. Because if he's inconsistent for one of those four rounds, you're losing that round. That's how important he would be to your team. I tend to think that they can wait a little bit longer, and I know you don't
1: agree, but I just think his stock is not where it even can be. I think it can't get much worse, to be honest, and that's where like, you play a decent ball under Frank Vogel, you do the things you're asked. Um, I, I think he can build it back up, honestly, a little more, and I think they're in that mindset where it's like, we don't want to just give away this guy. Like Chris Paul's, as good as Chris Paul still is, It it kind of made more sense to just, okay, we're going to... And again, I know they got Bradley Beal for his contract, but that aside, I I think there was a reason we were talking about them just waiving him because they need that money. Whereas DA, they're still like, okay, bigs take longer. He's still young. But again, like you wrote a draft piece in 2018. It's the same exact problems that he had coming out of Arizona. He has not... Added to the offense, he hasn't gotten rid of the inconsistencies, all the things you said why it was risky then it's the same player now and and yeah, I don't know how much better it can get, but I still think there's value in trying to rehabilitate him at least his stock.
2: I wrote a piece last week, two parts going through the mock off seasons, figuring out trades, figuring out signings, figuring out places you could trade. John Drayton, we wrote a separate piece on Friday looking at the San Antonio Spurs like, okay, could you get Kelvin Johnson? Okay, if you couldn't, could you salary dump him? Would they want the center next to Victor Wembanyama and make sure their 19-year-old future of the franchise, not future of the franchise, the star of the franchise immediately, and immediately one of the most valuable assets in the entire league already. Would you want to protect him? I think you would want to protect him. Is DeAndre and that guy? Does he make sense? We've looked at a lot of different factors and a lot of different teams. Gambo's reported Portland is out. We're looking at other teams potentially either those fake trades san antonio did anything stand out to you as a possibility in terms of how realistic again this is when i turn on our big red flashing sign that says we are just speculating we're not reporting anything we're not sourcing anything yeah. we're just looking for what makes sense is there a deandre team that makes sense to you hey you had a washington wizards trade in there And we know the
1: Washington Wizards, are uh, at least, were interested. I don't know if that's still plausible at all
2: based on you happened. Yeah. And it turns into a a humongous deal where Chris and DeAndre are both in it. So that deal, Daniel Gafford, Monte Morris, Corey Kispert. I know people just groaned in their car. (laughs) That's three rotation players. That's a starting caliber center. That is one of the best backup point guards in the league. And that's a shooter who shoots over 40% from three. That's what you're kind of looking for, right? That's the
1: framework? Yeah. That's the best-case scenario, I, I think, think. that's that's grasping. I think even if yes. you got two of those, whatever. Um, but yeah, I still like the Spurs just because of what you said. They can trade them into space. Maybe they don't get a ton back, but maybe you do get one good rotation player and picks
2: even just to use on asset collection because you have none right the, now. The holdup there is that Keldon Johnson is the only contract large enough to make it work, and, and that's, he's one he's of really them good. More. He's one of their more valuable players, so I wrote about it. Keldon Johnson, if you don't know, former late first-round pick. It was a year or two into his uh, tenure with San Antonio, we were looking at him and being like, man, this guy's probably future all-star. San Antonio nailed it in the late first round again. They've got their guy. And, and then San Antonio kept playing games and playing games, and now all of a sudden their 2020 first-round pick, Devin Vassell, it looks like, oh, man, man, man maybe he's the guy over... Um, Keldon Johnson and then Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. You and I were huge fans of him when we were thinking about looking at the Suns potentially trading up into the top half of the first round. He's been impressive for them. And now it's the Wemben Yama show over there. So all of a sudden, you've got two wings who show a lot of promise. You've got this big who's the future of the franchise, the face of the franchise right now. And Keldon Johnson just kind of stuck there, about to make $20 million a year. And I wonder exactly what you do with him. Could the Suns scoop in again in a similar kind of space as the Beal deal? where they're just right place, right time to get good value on a good player. I I do wonder if that's a possibility, but I did want to provide that side note that if you're looking for contracts or whatever, it's not just a pure salary dump. Johnson pretty much has to be in there.
1: Yeah, and I I am curious how DA and Pop would work because Pop's very demanding, I believe, but just from a pure, that just makes sense. Protect Weminyama, let him grow along a true center. DA doesn't have the pressure of being like the guy um everything's gonna be spotlighting on the other guys who uh, that just has a nice crew to go with him and I I think it's a good fit but yeah I mean there's gonna be again all it takes is one the Pacers will sign him to that max deal for a reason um I I don't know how a year changes a whole lot on him even though it's the same questions again it's
2: I, I I just don't know Quick plugs before we go. We both write for a website called Arizona My name is Kellen Olson. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow Kevin Zimmerman on Twitter. We run the empire of the sun's podcast. Like I said, we've been doing this thing for eight years, going back to those Brandon Knight, Tyler Uless, Isaiah Cannon, Mike James. Oh my gosh, is Alan Williams big sauce having a breakout year. Should they bring him back? You can find podcast episodes of us talking about that stuff. We also write for a site called Arizonasports.com that I mentioned and cover the Arizona diamondbacks who are about to be on this radio station in 35 minutes. Hey, if you're a Suns fan listening, and you haven't picked up on the D-backs, what are you doing? They're 43-29. Merrill Kelly's on the mound against Corbin Burns. Elite pitching matchup. Merrill Kelly's been on fire to start this year. 8-3, 3.04 ERA. They're starting a series in Milwaukee. That's coming up with pregame coverage starting here shortly. But we've been the Empire of the Suns podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening in. Again, if you're listening and you were here listening for Burns and Gamble, looking for Gamble, go to the Empire of the Suns podcast feed. You can find our first hour with Gamble or any more of the show that you miss. Shout out to Eric Ruby behind the board, helping my very unprepared self driving the show for the first time. I thought I did an okay job, and now he's got to hit the hard out, and we've got to go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye.